0: As expected, shrieking abortion supporters showed up at Brett Kavanaugh's home over the weekend to scare his kids and to try to intimidate the justice into changing his vote on the Dobbs case to overrule Roe v. Wade.
1: We will not go back. I see you, we will, we will not go back. We will not go back. We will not go back. We will not go back.
0: The only reason the mob didn't show up to the home of Justice Sam Alito, who wrote the leaked opinion is because the threats against him were so severe that the entire family was moved to an undisclosed location. The angry mob was expected at Kavanaugh's house, as well as the homes of the other conservative justices, because last week after a leftist activist leaked the decision, a left-wing organization doxed the justices and published their home addresses. Then when the White House was asked about the leak and the doxing, the press secretary refused to condemn the mobs. Speaking on behalf of the president, Jen Psaki actually said that people are passionate and that the White House didn't have any official position on where people protest. You can't even really call that tacit approval. Psaki was asked directly to call off the dogs, at least to voice some modest disapproval of the mob showing up at the judge's homes, and she shrugged her shoulders. This latest series of threats and intimidation against the conservative justices, families and children is no surprise because as I pointed out the moment the leak occurred, we are talking about people who kill little babies. There is no norm they will not violate. There is no depth to which they will not sink. They know that the Supreme Court reads the election returns and the opinion polls and they hear the mobs outside. So they're trying to pressure them to switch their votes. But there is a silver lining to this storm cloud. A silver lining that I also predicted last week, you know that I hate to say I told you so, that is that the political effect of the leak and the threats and the mobs is favorable to Republicans, favorable to conservatives, favorable to life. I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment Friday is from Arthur Devane, who says my bride never worked for wages outside the home during the kids' formative years. Whenever anyone brought up that old saw about her not being paid for all the work that she did, I would reply, oh no, I give her every cent that I own. This is a great point. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. I remember during the 2020 presidential race, during the Democrat primary, Andrew Yang would always go on and on about how his wife was not paid for her work. And I thought, one, I don't know, give your wife more money. I don't know what's wrong with you, Andrew Yang. But, but, uh, Andrew Yang, rather. But second of all, why do we need to quantify every single thing? Why does everything need to be brought into the monetary economy? historically speaking, mothers, wives have more political power than anybody. John Wayne said that America was a matriarchy. The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Not everything can be quantified and economized and put down on a spreadsheet, okay? Especially the work that mothers do. So happy Mother's Day to everybody. When you want to hire people who can be quantified and monetized, you got to check out ZipRecruiter. Right now go to ziprecruiter.com slash Knowles. There are people in my life that I rely on. First and foremost, my wife. Right? It was just Mother's Day. What would I do? I'd be living in a gutter without sweet little Elisa. Then, far down the list after that, I don't know, my producer, my assistant, my everybody at this company. If they, if any one of them stopped doing their job, I would be I would be babbling incoherently. More so than already, which is why you need ZipRecruiter. Okay, ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire time is money, personnel is policy. The most important investment you're going to make in your company is going to be in the people. You can try it for free right now at ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. They use powerful matching technology to find the right candidates, match them up for your job. They then recommend the candidates to you. You can look through your top picks, invite the top choices to apply. You're not just throwing spaghetti at the wall. They're actively going out there. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a high quality candidate within the first day. Right now, the hardest thing you got to do is just remember this URL. ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. That's where you go to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Lots of mostly peaceful protests going on over the weekend. Mostly peaceful threats against the children of conservative Supreme Court justices. Mostly pe- peaceful angry mobs outside the private homes of Supreme Court justices. And more and more. Uh, Thankfully, uh, Kavanaugh's family seems to be safe. John Roberts's family seems to be safe. But I thought when I saw the protests first occur, I said, "Why are they focusing on Kavanaugh? Sam Alito is the one who wrote the opinion. Why why aren't we seeing the mobs? Oh, because Sam Alito's family was moved into hiding because the threats against him were so much worse than the threats against Brett Kavanaugh. Was this just overreacting? Sam Alito—he would have been fine, right? Well, I'm not so sure." I think it probably would have gotten pretty violent. Here's my evidence. A pro-life group was hit with Molotov cocktails over the weekend. A Wisconsin pro-life group's office was set on fire early Sunday morning. I was vandalized with abortion-themed graffiti in, in what the police are calling an arson. I was the Wisconsin Family Action Headquarters Uh, There was fire damage, uh, there were flames coming out of the building at 6 a.m., and there was a spray-painted message which said, if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. Fortunately, no injuries were reported. The first question you got to ask yourself whenever an incident like this happens is, is it real or is it a hoax? We've seen a ton of hoaxes, uh, racial hoaxes, sexual hoaxes. We've seen a lot of hoaxes from the left threats of racist graffiti and things like that, 99 times out of 100, they turn out to be fake. Is this fake here? I don't think so. I don't think so. And it's not just because I'm biased on my side, the right wing. It's just if you look at these sorts of incidents, they are almost, if not always, hoaxes on the left. You don't really see those. I could write, I I actually have a full chapter of my book on all these kind of racial and sexual and just political hoaxes from the left. You just don't really see them from the right. And and then you get to the second part, which is the left gets violent and the right generally does not get violent. I'm not saying that there are no exceptions to this, but if you look at incidents of violence, particularly in recent years, political violence, it's almost entirely on the left. It's not on the right. Would the left really do these sorts of things? I don't know. You remember 2020? Remember when the left burned the country down coast to coast for eight months? Yeah, I think they probably would throw a Molotov cocktail into into a pro-life headquarters office. Actually, uh, they did that sort of thing for more than half of a year, two years ago. So we're talking about real threats. I'm glad no one was injured here. I'm glad it was an empty office. I'm glad it wasn't one of the conservative judges' houses. But clearly, the left is trying to scare the conservative judges into believing it could be in their houses. When Jen Psaki said the government we have no we have no official government position on where people protest go get them, gosh nice house you got there Justice Kavanaugh Justice Alito sure it would be a shame if something happened to it it's it's no different than than what the mob would say when they walk into your business with a protection racket the only difference is they're they're actually talking about these people's homes where their children sleep the the only silver lining here I mean this is really really disgusting stuff it's bad in and of itself for the families of the judges but. It's bad for democracy. I never again want to hear about our, our sacred democracy and the sacred norms and rule of law that the insurrect. Give me a break. You're telling me that January 6th was the worst event in the history of the country because a horn hat guy danced around the Capitol rotunda, but that sicking an angry mob on the justices' homes where their kids sleep because you don't like an opinion that's coming out, that's totally fine. That's democracy in action. Shove it, man. Go, you know, go pound sand if that's going to be your argument. I never want to hear it again about January sixth. The great, it's a joke. It's a complete joke. And you're going to hear later on this summer. You're going to hear all of the January sixth uh, crocodile tears. You're going to see it from not just the liberals, but from a couple of the court jester conservatives. Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger. This is it. It's done. You show up to the judges' houses. You threaten the family of the judges. I never want to hear another word about January 6th. Not that I wanted to hear anything about it before. The silver lining here, though, this is really backfiring. This is really not working for the libs. There is a poll out showing the political effect of, forget about the mobs. This is just the political effect of the leaked decision Okay, I think the mobs are actually going to move this even more in the conservative direction, but this poll is not from the Daily Wire. It's not from Fox News. It's not from some right-wing outlet. It's from CNN. CNN shows that the overruling of Roe and the leak of the decision not only will not help Democrats in November, but will actually help Republicans. The share of registered voters— who say they are extremely or very enthusiastic about voting in the midterms, rose six percentage points after the leak of the the decision. Among Democrats, 43% say they are now extremely or very enthusiastic about the midterms. That's up seven points. So it seems like Democrats got a boost, except that right now the percentage of Republicans who say they're very excited about the midterms is 56%. So it's much higher than the Democrats. And it's up nine points since the leak. The voters who say that overturning Roe would make them happy are nearly twice as enthusiastic about voting in the midterms as those who say that a ruling would leave them angry. I've, I, you know, you know, I hate to say, I told you so. But I, I had my Domus hat on, I had my crystal ball out. I said, guys, not only is overruling Roe the right thing to do, not only does the leak show that the libs are really desperate but it's a political winner as well. You heard some of the squishes saying, oh no, why do we have to overrule Roe in the midterms? Oh no, this is just going to help the Democrats. This is going to take away our momentum. We had all the momentum on the economy and immigration and foreign policy. Now we're all going to squander it to save those babies. You're not going to squander it. It's going to help you. If you think that, if you and the squishes believe that abortion is a losing issue for conservatives, it's because you have bought the propaganda from the left. which which wants to make us all believe that America is full of a bunch of bloodthirsty maniacs who want to kill babies up until the moment of birth. The, The conservative position on abortion is not the fringe position. It's the mainstream position. Don't kill babies is the mainstream, normal, popular position. Abortion on demand without apology into the fifth trimester, that is a fringe view. That's the radical view. Okay, people don't like that. Don't buy the propaganda. This is going to be a big, big win. It's it's the right thing to do, first of all, but it's going to be a big, big win for conservatives. This issue is backing the Libs and the Democrats into a corner. Even the most practiced Democrats, even the smoothest operators out there, they have no answer on the abortion question. That's why that's why they're trying to distract. They're saying, actually, the Roe v. Wade overruling, this is really about contraception. This is really about interracial marriage. I kid you not. There, you remember Eric Swalwell said this is really about interracial marriage. What the hell are you talking about interracial marriage for? That has nothing to do with abortion. Oh, you're talking about that because you know that your position on abortion is deeply unpopular. It's got me feeling good. It's got me feeling healthy. You know what else makes you feel healthy? Superbeats. Right now, go to superbeats.com slash Knowles because I've got a new way to start your day. That is Super Beats Heart Chews. They are a tasty treat that give you the energy you need and are good for you. No more afternoon coffees, no more energy drinks, no more candy for that quick pick-me-up. Two delicious plant-based Super Beats Heart Chews are all you need for your morning routine to promote heart-healthy energy for your day without a caffeine crash. Super Beats Heart Chews, unique clinically researched grapeseed extract promote heart-healthy energy and normal blood pressure as part of a healthy lifestyle. The grapeseed extract used in Super Beats Heart Chews has been clinically shown to be twice as effective at supporting normal blood pressure as a healthy lifestyle alone. Do more for your heart and treat yourself with Super Beats Heart Chews. I love Superbeats heart shoes. My only complaint about them is that every time they arrive at the Daily Wire, these jackals, these hyenas, these animals here go in and take all of them before I can get my fistful. So go in. Right now you can save up to 45% plus free shipping at superbeats.com slash Knowles. This is their best offer available anywhere. Superbeats.com slash Knowles up to 45% off superbeats.com slash Knowles. These statements and products have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or condition. Elizabeth Warren, Liawatha herself, who got red in the face, who was so angry that the Supreme Court might overrule Roe v. Wade. You saw fire in her eyes. You saw this fear that she no longer will be able to sacrifice all of those babies to her demon god, Quetzalcoatl. She saw her fingers just itching for the hatchet, but, but the conservative judges were going to take that hatchet away from her. Well, Elizabeth Warren is changing her tune a little bit. She's still radically pro-abortion, but she realizes that her her bloodlust to kill these babies is not really playing very well in Peoria. And so Elizabeth Warren now was asked a question, point blank, should there be any limits on abortion? And she dodged the question. There's a question, should there be any limits on abortions? You know, I'm going to put it this way. I think that the woman who is most affected, should be at the heart of this. Of course. I think that she should be able to call on her partner, her mother, um, her priest, her rabbi. She should be able to bring in the people she needs. But in a pregnancy, I don't believe that it is the state that should intervene with its heavy hand Mm. and make the decision. That's a whole lot of words to say no. It's a simple question. Should there be any limits whatsoever on abortion? And her answer is no. She thinks you should be able to kill babies up until the moment of birth, at least. And she knows that that is insane and evil and radical and doesn't sit very well with voters. And so she has to go on this word salad for three minutes to say, well, and I think a woman should talk to her partner and uh, her Priest, that's not going to go very well, darling. Have you have you read the Catechism of the Church? And never mind. And she should. And the decision. It's the same answer Ralph Northam made. Hey, should we be able to kill babies on the operating table? Well, now I think that we should. In that, in a case where a baby is born and the mama doesn't want it, we're going to make it comfortable and then maybe we're going to let it. be, And we're going to kill it. Okay. And you just he just they just ramble on and on. Just give the honest answer. No, you don't think there should be any limits to abortion whatsoever. And then she has the audacity, this is the funniest funniest part of it all. She says, "I don't think that the heavy hand of government should be involved." This is the this is the only issue in politics, that Elizabeth Warren has ever come across where she does not believe that the heavy hand of government should be involved. It's the only one. She, she wants to regulate your light bulbs, okay? She wants to regulate everything with the heavy hand of government, except whether or not you should be able to kill an innocent little baby. It's so disingenuous. It's so radical. It's so off-putting. There is no, you can just tell watching this woman, listening to her, think how, she, this woman is not ever going to be the president. Her, I think those dreams are dashed. And then you listen to the position more broadly and say, this, this party that's running on this issue is not going to win. In a fair election, there's no way they win. Rosanna Arquette, she's a very excitable lib in Hollywood. Rosanna Arquette holds the same radical position on abortion as Elizabeth Warren, but she's more excitable about it. She, she uh, is more hysterical about it. This is what she said over the weekend, quote, no, it's not hysterical or alarmist. They, the conservatives and the conservative Supreme Court judges, will traffic babies that many women can't afford to keep. There is a huge money-making market worldwide for babies, and behind that is organ trafficking. The majority Supreme Court justices are officially the satanic force. The funny thing about this quasi-grammatical, semi-coherent claim is that Rosanna Arquette and the Libs Broadly are accusing the conservatives of doing exactly what they themselves are doing. She makes two claims here. She says that the conservatives want to traffic flesh. They want to to traffic living human beings in some kind of what? Sex trade or something like that? In some, some kind of slavery trade. And they want to traffic baby body parts. So dead human beings, they want to sell them on the black market. Planned Parenthood officials have been caught on hidden camera multiple times repeatedly haggling for the price of selling baby body parts not even just one official multiple planned parenthood officials the the campaign was the Center for Medical Progress David Delidan went in undercover because Planned Parenthood said, no, we're not selling baby body parts, the body parts of, of aborted babies in our clinics. And then he went undercover in meetings with multiple officials, and they were all haggling over the price because they said, yes, we will sell these body parts to you. They even made jokes about it. They said, well, I'm not going to give you my number first. You need to tell me your price first. I want to buy a Lamborghini. Ha, ha, ha. There, there was documents, footage, footage. Audio from meetings of Planned Parenthood officials saying that they do this very same thing that Roseanne Arquette is accusing the conservatives of doing. Furthermore, she's saying, "What about just the the black market in selling people? You know, just regular old human trafficking of living human beings." Which side is it that's trying to legalize prostitution? Which side? Which it, it's the libs. It's the libs. They everything that they are accusing us of, they do themselves. It's classic projection. It's it's a good rule of thumb in politics. Whatever the libs are screaming about conservatives allegedly doing, it's a safe bet that they themselves are doing it. Speaking of defending the indefensible on camera, the White House is getting a new press secretary. That press secretary will be Karine Jean-Pierre. She was the deputy for Jen Psaki. She was somehow less impressive than Jen Psaki. Jen Psaki had a few moments of zingers, a few moments that were kind of funny uh, Karine Jean-Pierre so far has been extremely unimpressive in the job, but now Jen is going to go make, make some money over at MSNBC. So Karine Jean-Pierre is stepping in. Here's what Jen Psaki had to say about the appointment of Karine Jean-Pierre to be the press secretary. I'm reading it exactly in order. This is just what she said. Lots to say about how grateful I am to the president, first lady, and the Biden family for trusting me to serve as press secretary, and plenty of time before my last day to share, but today is about Karine Jean-Pierre. So a few thoughts on this remarkable woman who will soon be behind the podium every day. She will be the first black woman and first openly LGBTQ plus person to serve as the White House press secretary. Representation matters, and she will give a voice to many, but also make many dream big about what is truly possible. Uh, Karine Jean-Pierre has decades of experience from her early years working in government and politics in New York to her years as an outspoken advocate to serving as a longtime advisor to the president when he was vice president. So let me translate that for you. She says, today is about Karine Jean-Pierre. The first thing I'm going to say about her is that she is black and she has unusual sexual appetites. That's, we, it's so wonderful that this woman is the press secretary because of the color of her skin and her sexual appetites. That's why this is so great. Also, she's got some experience, but most importantly of all, I don't know if I mentioned this yet. She is black and is sexually attracted to women. I think, is that what, I don't even know what, which letter of the LGBTQ uh, Karine Jean-Pierre is, but Anyway, she's got some kind of eccentric sexual appetite, and that's the most important thing. It's, it's an acknowledgment that this woman is another diversity hire. She's a diversity hire, just like the Biden. It, those, that's not my words. I'm not the one saying it. It's Jensaki said that. If this woman were being hired for her merit, then Jen Psaki would have reversed the tweets. She would have said, this woman has so much experience. She brings so much skill and talent to the table. And also, she's black and sexually attracted to women but that's not what Jen Psaki did. It's, it's the same pattern we've seen from the Biden administration. The, the reason we need to nominate Katanji Jackson to the Supreme Court is she is extremely black. And I would note a woman. And also she went to Harvard and, you know, she's got a lot of experience, but I am only going to pick a black woman. That is all I care about. I'm not going to pick the most qualified person. I'm only going to look at black women and exclude other candidates who might be more qualified. It, Biden did the same thing with vice president. He said, I am going to pick a black woman to be my vice president. So all you've excluded, what, 94% of the country at that point? And in terms of prominent black women who were up for that job in 2020, you had three women. Karen Bass, who's an actual communist member member of Congress, you had... Uh, Susan Rice, the fall man for Benghazi, and you had Kamala Harris, who was the first person out of the Democrat presidential primary, but somehow she was the best choice because you limited your options to three. Okay, and Michelle Obama probably didn't want the job. So that's it. You've got, that's what they're saying. I, I think that's ugly. I think that's unfortunate. I think it would be nice if when people get big jobs in the government, they can say it was because of their merit. They're not just looked at as tokens and not just looked at as diversity hires. But the Biden administration clearly looks at this woman as a diversity hire. Just look at the statement from the president's spokesman. And I love Jinzaki he says, representation matters. Uh, yes, representation in our national government matters. That's true. I want, I want my voice to be heard in the national government. I don't care if someone who vaguely looks like me physically is in the government. I don't, I don't, in fact, I wouldn't like it if Rachel Maddow were working in the federal government. That would upset me. In fact, one of my favorite people in the government is Clarence Thomas. I don't look very much like Clarence Thomas. I was going to say Sam Alito, but I actually do kind of look like Sam Alito. You know, the Italians, we stick together. But Clarence Thomas, I love Clarence Thomas. Does that mean I don't really look like him? Amy Barrett seems to be doing a pretty good job, at least. I don't really look like Amy Barrett, do I? No, that representation does not matter to me. I don't I don't think it is a, a matter of political importance that we have lots of lesbians in the government. I don't think that I, I want people in the government to be nice to lesbians I don't <laughs> I don't want lesbians or uh, other minority groups to be to be unfairly targeted or any but This does not matter, because there's no end to that, by the way. We joke about how the acronym LGBT just keeps expanding. There's no end to the expanding. And so if we're saying that we need someone from every single group, many of which are being created every single day, to be represented in the government, there's simply no end to that. Now, speaking of representation... You all represented my book very, very beautifully, speechless on, uh, over the weekend. We said that in honor of the 1,000th episode, we were going to give away a, a big, big prize, some kind of gift, gift bag or something like that uh, for people who went over, left a five-star review. So my favorite comment, the winner of the, of the prize is the Shuckmeister, who wrote on Amazon, A book that will play well in Peoria, adorned on my shelf with the American classics, is a signed copy of Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. Ding. Reading this book feels like the culmination of nearly 1,000 episodes of wisdom from the one and only Michael de Nolstradamus. A thoroughly researched work of literature it juxtaposes the historical nature, culture, and meaning of linguistics with a modern culture that seeks to uproot that foundation. With recent events like Elon Musk's Twitter takeover, the thesis of the book is more relevant than ever and lessons can be taken to ensure we not only have the ability to speak freely, but have something substantial to say as well. With the countless recommendations I've given to friends and family, this book certainly had not, has not left me speechless. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Whatever the gift thing is that the producers came up with, we will be sure to send that out to you. And I'm really glad the point you made there is so important. With Elon taking over Twitter, with us as the conservatives maybe getting a little more political power, It's really important not to throw our hands up in the air and do the old shrug and and say, we're not going to do anything with that political power. We got to use it, folks. We got to use it to help take our culture back. Now, unless you've been locked in a pantry for the last two months, by now you've heard of Shut In, Daily Wire's latest original film. If you have not seen Shut In, you really should. One of the things that surprised us after releasing the movie is we found that there were certain themes that really resonated with our audience, particularly the drive of the main character, a mother who would do anything she needed to protect her children. So we cut a new trailer that I think really captures that, and we released it for Mother's Day. Take a look. Mama, why are you in there? I messed up real bad.
1: I'm
0: a bad mom.
1: It's I-J-K-L-M-N-O-P.
0: It's L-M-N-O-P.
1: the said bad.
0: He's not bad, okay? It's just sick. Just like mama was sick.
1: but I got better. Jessica I can spell the weakness from here. Did they teach you hope and rehab? I'll come back when you're back to your old self.
0: Rob!
1: Rob owes me money. Don't you touch my kid! Mommy, please come out, I'm scared. I can't get out. You can't get out, you just need to try harder. You go back to the same miserable life. You ain't drugs to get away from. Please let me out! What good is this to me now? I'm a bad mom. But I'm trying. Let's practice my ABCs, okay? A, B,
0: C, D, E, F, G. Shut In has an audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 96%. It's that good. Here's the deal. When you sign up for a membership with The Daily Wire to watch movies such as Shut In, you help us stick it to woke Hollywood by helping us build entertainment alternatives. We've just committed $100 million to creating DW Kids because Disney wants to indoctrinate your kids. So head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe, sign up for a membership, and don't miss Shut In. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe. Together, we can build a future that we believe in. We'll be right back with a lot more. identity politics is not working quite like it used to for the past 20 25 years all the Democrats needed to do was throw the word racist at, at someone and it would destroy that person okay and it would make everyone cower and fear it's the worst thing that you can possibly be called they, they would wield woke identity politics to get whatever they wanted it was a total get out of jail free card. That is not working as well anymore. And I think someone who perfectly exemplifies how little that is working is Chet Hanks. Chet Hanks is one of Tom Hanks's sons. He is one of my absolute favorite figures in the culture. Uh, He talks kind of like a a rapper. And he, he first came to my attention at least uh, when his parents got COVID, and and he he came on Instagram and he said, "Hey y'all, it's Chet here. Yeah, my parents have COVID. Crazy, right?" And I thought, no, the crazy thing is that you are Chet Hanks. What do you? How is this Tom Hanks' son? And he's he's made jokes about the vaccine, and he's made jokes about political correctness and the culture, and he just seems great. I just really like him as a cultural figure. So anyway, uh, Chet Hanks was talking to a TikTok star, uh, Zee Wee. A woman with whom I was not familiar before. Zeewee asked chat if there are any marginalized communities that just in general, he as a white man wants to apologize to. Here's his answer. Are there any marginalized communities you want to apologize to? I don't know, maybe the pot community?
1: No, I don't feel like I've truly done anything offensive. So
0: you don't see it as cultural appropriation. You see it as like a celebration of culture. Mm -hmm. And then it's like social justice warriors can like go kick rocks. Yeah. 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 No comment,
1: got it. No, I mean, I I 100% agree. Social justice warriors can kick rocks.
0: Mm. It's not no comment. Zeewee says, okay, so you're you're just refusing to answer. No, no, I'm not. I'm not refusing to answer. I am fully answering. They can kick rocks. I will not apologize for being a dude. I won't apologize for being a white guy. I haven't done anything wrong. I'm, I am not evil by virtue of my, my race and sex. It's not wrong that I have adopted certain aspects of what you are suggesting is a black culture or some other kind of ethnic culture. No, that's not wrong. It's, it's obviously a catch 22, by the way, for white guys here, because if you do adopt characteristics of another culture, then you are accused of cultural appropriation. But if you don't adopt traits of another culture, you're accused of cultural erasure, or Eurocentrism, or any of these other kinds. So you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. And he says, "Look, I haven't done anything wrong. I've just spoken the truth as I see it. I've behaved in a way that I don't. I don't think is immoral. I'm actually just encouraging people to go sort of exercise and you know think the right things. And so no, I'm not going to apologize for anything. Sorry, um, but but you you are a white man. Uh, I am yes. And so but you're not going to apologize for that? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think that I will." Why should he? That, that would be so crazy. That would be so crazy. And I'm glad that people finally have the confidence again to say, no, we're, I'm just going to reject the whole premise here. That we have this hierarchy of races and certain races need to feel really bad about themselves and other races are they're the good races. And this, this idea that men are just intrinsically evil and awful and they got to, no, we're not going to do any of that. Sorry. Speaking of young, controversial men, I meant to get to this last week, but I'll get to it now. Madison Cawthorne. Madison Cawthorne is a freshman member of Congress, young guy, young conservative member of Congress. And boy, has he been in the headlines lately. Boy, has Madison Cawthorne been in the headlines. Oh man, it seems like this guy can't do anything right. He uh, Just about two weeks ago, there were big headlines about how Madison Cawthorne might be guilty of financial impropriety or insider trading because he invested in a in a crypto coin. And then there was another headline, Madison Cawthorn was caught driving with a, a license revoked because he had had some speeding tickets that he hadn't paid yet. And then last week, this was a really weird one. There was this video that leaked of Madison Cawthorn and it looked like he was not wearing very much clothing and he was kind of like, he was, I don't know, he was like doing something on a couch with a buddy of his or saying They were kind of, he was like yelling and I don't know, I don't know. I, I didn't, didn't watch it all that closely. And and uh, so, but people were saying this is really weird. This is a shocking, scandalous video. And I thought, huh, why, why is everyone going after Madison Cawthorn right now? Because none of these none of these scandals in particular seem all that. It's it's not like there was an actual sex tape of him that leaked. It's not like he was caught committing some crime on camera or something. It was like kind of a strange video, but I know there are lots of strange videos. And then driving while his license was revoked that's is that the when I think of the crimes that members of Congress regularly commit that seems pretty low on the list and then he invested in some in some stupid crypto coin that that's what why are they going oh I I remember why they're going after him because Madison Cawthorn blew the whistle on their on their coke fueled orgies just a few weeks ago
1: the sexual perversion that goes on in Washington I mean it being kind of a young guy in Washington with the average age of probably 60 or 70. And I look at all these people, a lot of them that I, you know, I've looked up to through my life, I've always paid attention to politics, guys that, you know, it, then all of a sudden you get invited to, like, well, hey, we're going to have kind of a, a, a sexual get-together at one of our homes. You should come. And I'm like, what, what, what did you just ask me to come to? Yeah. Okay, and then you realize they're asking you to come to an orgy.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, or, or the fact that, you know, there's some of the people that are leading on the movement to try and remove, you know, addiction in our country. And then you watch them do, you know, a key bump of cocaine right in front of you. And
0: it's like, wow, this is, this is wild. When Madison Cawthorn made these claims, I was not totally sure that he was telling the truth or that these things were actually happening. I thought it was likely that what he was saying was true, but I, wa- I wasn't totally sure. Now that the, pretty much the moment he made those comments on air, now that every single day it seems there is a new negative headline, there is a new hit piece against him, I am now 100% certain that what he was saying was true. And look, we we know that Washington, D.C. is extremely corrupt. We know that members of our government are very frequently degenerate. And we know that they've all got blackmail on one another. Okay, that has been true for, at least the blackmail part has been true for the entire history of politics. But what Cawthorne here is describing is now actually happening. Because in that interview, he says, look, and the way that everyone covers it up is everyone says, look, you shouldn't say this thing, you shouldn't vote this way, you shouldn't do this thing, because we've got some videotape of you, or we've got some arrest record of you, or we've got some bad so that would sure look bad in the headlines, and they're all using this dirt to control one another. This is the, this is the plot line of, the, of House of Cards. This is, you see this throughout LBJ's life, in that Robert Carroll biography of LBJ in particular he wielded blackmail. And so I totally buy it. Madison Cawthorn, when he made these claims, the, the Republican leadership too, we got really angry with him. Oh boy, did they come down hard on him. And he sort of recanted it a little bit, but not totally. And they're obviously just pressuring him. And now they're trying to send a message. Um, and this is another example of, I, I think the tactics are backfiring here. <laughs> Okay, I think the tactic of sending angry mobs to the conservative justices' homes, they thought that that was going to give them the outcome they wanted. I think really it's just, I hope, it's hardening the justices on this, and it's certainly hardening the American people. You can see, even just since the leak came out, you can see momentum moving in the pro-life direction. Same thing here. If I was 50-50 on Madison Cawthorne talking about the coke-fueled orgies in Washington, D.C., I'm now more like 80-20. I'm now more like 90-10 here. I'm now pretty certain that what he's saying is true because— the the intimidation campaign against him is so blatant. I I refer to myself occasionally as Nolstradamus. Well, look at what Cawthorne did. Talk about a crystal ball. He said, look, they're going to start leaking a bunch of stuff about me if if I talk about their coke-fueled orgies. And then what do you get two weeks later? Speaking of anti-constitutional attempts to shut up conservative members of Congress, We got some good news. A judge has tossed out a challenge to Marjorie Taylor Greene's candidacy. We covered this a few weeks ago on the show. Uh, Georgia Congressman Marjorie Greene uh, is very popular among conservatives. And uh, there there was a move by a left-wing organization to try to kick her off of the ballot. And they tried to kick her off of the ballot using this very silly provision of the 14th Amendment to say that... uh, if you've engaged in an insurrection against the United States that you can't hold public office. And so the libs are pretending that the horn hat guy dancing around the Capitol was an insurrection, a coup d'etat. Goodness gracious, the government almost fell. And and so they're trying to, to prevent Marjorie Green from appearing on the ballot. Why are they doing that? Because they know that they can't beat Marjorie Green at the ballot. They know that if she's on the ballot, she's going to win because the voters like her, but the the left does not like her and so they're trying to boot her off. They're, they're trying to do the same thing for Trump. This was really just a test run to see if they can prevent Trump from running for president in 2024, and the decision uh, came down. Uh, fortunately, uh, Green will appear on the ballot. I guess ultimately, it rests with the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, uh, but it, it would be highly unlikely that he would kick her off of the ballot, so the judge has basically let her candidacy go through. Uh, when I think about Marjorie Gre- I don't know Marjorie Green. I haven't even followed her career very closely but when I see stuff like this, it makes me more inclined to like her. If all, look, there are a lot of members of Congress. You can't keep up with all of them. You can't follow the minutia of all of their lives. But if all I know about Marjorie Greene is that some of the worst people in this country are trying to subvert and pervert our law to prevent her from even running for office, they're so scared of her, then I guess I kind of like her right? I guess, I don't know. I don't know everything about her, but just as a rule of thumb, if the worst, most radical leftist people in the country don't like somebody, that's at least a good indication that that person is actually doing something in Washington, D.C. They're trying to wield the state to suppress us. They are trying to wield the state in ways that are not in keeping with our history, not in keeping with the rule of law, To prevent us from having self government. Nowhere is this clearer than the Ministry of Truth that the Biden administration set up just a couple of weeks ago. Right after the Elon Musk news broke that Elon Musk was maybe going to take over Twitter and conservatives might have a little bit more free speech on just one of the social media platforms, within hours, the Biden administration announces we are going to set up a new disinformation governance board to prevent the spread of disinformation. Now, When the the Biden administration was asked, hey, hold on, are are you saying you're going to censor Americans? They said, no, no, this is just about foreign disinformation. This is not focused on American citizens. This is just focused on people abroad. Then the conservatives raised the question, hold on, then why is it at the Department of Homeland Security? Why isn't this at the State Department? Oh, Actually, there already is a disinformation agency at the State Department. There already is an agency that does the same thing that you are saying that this agency will do, focusing on disinformation abroad. So why create a new one in a domestic agency? Oh, because you're obviously just trying to censor Americans. And Rand Paul just absolutely ripped the Secretary of Homeland Security a new one over this Ministry of Truth. Do we have policies? Do we have guardrails? Do we have standards? But here's the problem: we can't even agree. We can't even agree
1: what disinformation is. is You can't even agree that it was disinformation, that the Russians fed information to the Steele dossier. If you can't agree to that, how are we ever going to come to an agreement on what is disinformation so you can police it on social media? I think you've got no idea what disinformation is, and I don't think the government's capable of it. Do you know who the greatest propagator of disinformation in the history of the world is? The U.S. government. Are you familiar with McNamara, the Pentagon Papers? Are you familiar with George W. Bush and the weapons of mass destruction? Are you familiar with Iran-Contra? I mean, think of all the debates and disputes we've had over the last 50 years in our country. We work them out by debating them. We don't work them out by the government being the arbiter. I don't want you to guard rails. I want you to have nothing to do with speech.
0: Now, Rand Paul is taking a really interesting tack here to go after this Biden administration policy, the censorship board, because he's basically attacking them from the left. He's saying, you know, the, the, the United States government spread a lot of disinformation in the Vietnam War and George W. Bush. And he's kind of he's, he's parroting lines that would have been considered left-wing lines in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 2000s. He's, he's, he's just throwing the Libs lines right back at them to say, why, why on earth have you shifted your position here? Why are you pretending now that the government doesn't have an interest to push disinformation? Because of course it does. This isn't even an anti-American sort of line to use. It's just a simple fact. Governments have an interest in pushing certain propaganda. And so if the government is going to get into the business of regulating speech, Rand Paul takes an extremely libertarian position here. I don't take that libertarian position. I think there are plenty of regulations that that our government traditionally has had on speech, on obscenity on threats, on fighting words, upholding standards. But the, the government has done it in a very careful way, in a, in a nuanced way, in a way with lots of guardrails. And then Joe Biden's going to come in here like a bull in a China shop and just set up a censorship board to try to shut down all the conservatives on social media because mean old Elon is going to maybe let us get a word in edgewise. Really important to see how absolutely cynical this is. Do you think that's going to play for the, the Democrats in, in November? I don't think so. I don't, when you can attack them from the right and the left, I don't think that's going to play very well. Conservatives need power. Conservatives need power in the culture, in the politics, and we need to wield it. This is why I'm so pleased to read the headline. Who knows if it's true or not, but the report at least from CNBC is that not only will Elon Musk uh, buy Twitter, but that he's actually expected to serve as the temporary CEO of Twitter for at least a few months after the deal completes. I love this, in part because <laughs> it's just been so delicious to watch Elon Musk toy with the Twitter leadership, like a cat toys with a mouse, and get them to try to say, "Say, oh, no, we're happy that Elon's coming, actually. No, we really like that. The CEO, Parag Agrawal, said, no, I'm really happy, and we're going to work together. And Elon's like, yeah, yeah, we're going we're gonna to work together. And then he says, yeah, I'm taking your job, actually. No, we're not going to work together. You're gone. <laughs> You're fired. Totally just channeling Donald Trump here. Uh, So the the reason it's important, though, beyond just how delicious it is to watch the Twitter leadership squirm, is if Elon really wants this to matter, he's got to run it. Personnel is policy. If he just buys it and becomes the big investor and doesn't make huge personnel changes, and better yet, doesn't run the company himself for some period of time, nothing's really going to change. This is, this is a lesson that conservatives can learn when we win elections. We can win elections, but if we are not actively in there running the government, we're not actively in there just putting all of our people into all the important positions of power and doing our best to fire all the libs who are actually making the decisions in the government and replace them with good, solid conservatives, then it's not going to matter that we win the election. The government is just so big and unwieldy. We've got to go in and actually make sure that the election means something. Because the difference between the lifers, the careerists in Washington, D.C., and the elected guys is the elected guys come and go. Every eight years, every four years, sometimes every two years. And those career guys are going to be there. So, where's the real power? The real power is in the people who are actually affecting these policies. Now, it's not enough just to count on Big Daddy Elon. I like Elon. He seems to have a pretty good head on his shoulders. He's doing pretty great stuff in the culture right now. I'm very grateful for the things that he's doing. I think what Elon Musk is doing right now in in especially in the private sector is is some of the most important stuff we've seen in my lifetime. But it's not enough. And he's he's not even really a conservative, right? He's he's much more conservative than most people. But Elon made this point himself. He posted a meme where he said that 10 years ago he was center left and then the left went completely radical and so they moved the center way further left and so now I guess he's center right. So it's good. I'd rather have a 2012 Democrat over a 2022 Democrat running things because the 2012 Democrat is relatively much more conservative. But that's not going to be the answer. I, my version of conservatism is not just whatever the Democrats were doing 10 years ago. My version of conservatism is conserving something, conserving something deeper and truer and with greater tradition and 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 that that is in, in accord with the natural law and eternal truths and a transcendent moral order, okay? We need more. You you see this at Tesla right now. Uh, We covered Amazon last week, Amazon uh, offering to pay for its employees' travel out of state to get abortions if Roe v. Wade is overruled. Unfortunately, Tesla is apparently going to do the same thing. According to Tesla's 2021 impact report, the company added travel and lodging support for those who may need to seek healthcare services that are unavailable in their home state. Uh, And and this is going to be in their health insurance offerings. Reportedly, that's going to include abortion. Do I blame Elon Musk for this? Not really. No, I mean, is the guy supposed to be Mister Conservative all of a sudden? No, I don't think he's ever presented himself as such. What does Elon Musk think about abortion? I'm not totally sure. I, I do know that Elon Musk has said that we don't have an overpopulation problem in the world; we have an underpopulation problem. So that's good. Makes me think he's kind of he's got he's in the right direction on life. But I can't you can't expect this guy to just be Mister Conservative and transform the whole culture back to conservatism. No. We have to do that. The political community has to do that. The Supreme Court justices have to do that. The presidents who appoint the Supreme Court justices, the people who go out there to, to elect conservative representatives and go, and we, we have to wield that power, okay? And we need to create the political conditions that make it easier for a company like Tesla to, to not cover these things. I, I made this point last week. Capitalism's great. You know, I love free markets. I love private property. I do. I'm not, I'm not being glib or flippant about that. But I don't worship at the altar of the market. I don't worship at the altar of the market because I think sometimes the market can get things wrong. I think it is in Amazon's market interest to pay for the travel for its employees, its female employees to go get abortions because it will make those female employees more productive. They, they won't be taking maternity leave, okay? They won't be raising children. They won't be calling out of out of work when their kid's babysitter doesn't show up or when the kid gets sick. So it's in the economic market interest of Amazon to encourage abortions. It's in the economic market interest of Tesla to encourage abortions. And it's in the political interest of our community to outlaw abortions. It's in our national interest. Markets are great, but they are an instrument toward a good society. You don't want to put the cart before the horse, okay? They're actually for something. And so what we need to do is go in and wield that power. And, and if, if we say, look, abortions are just not allowed, sorry, we're, just not, we're not killing babies, that's not what we do as a country anymore, then Amazon and Tesla, those are going to be the rules. And Amazon and Tesla and other corporations aren't going to have to compete with one another to try to offer their employees all the best sorts of uh, healthcare plans with the most stuff and the most freebies and the most out-of-state travel covered for abortion. They're not, gonna have to, they're not going to have to worry about other companies who are paying for abortions for their employees, having uh, cheaper labor costs, they're, they're not going to have to worry. Everyone's going to be on an even playing field, and it's going to be on a much more just playing field. That's what we have got to do, okay? We need structural improvement here. We're talking about, this, this number came out just last week, gas is up 80% almost since Joe Biden took office, 80%. That is such a huge spike in what, 14 months? A massive, not even 14 months at this point, a massive, massive spike in gas. That's, it's not just because of markets. It's not just because of the war in Ukraine. It's because of structural problems. Structural problems on energy. Structural problems on how even the states relate to the federal government. We've got to go in there and wield that political power and make things better. Joe Biden is the direct cause of the problem, but the, the problems run a little bit deeper. And conservatives need to grow a spine, grow some muscle, and get a little bit more muscular as we look ahead to the future of our country. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Hey there, this is John Bickley, Daily Wire editor in chief and co host of Morning Wire. On today's episode, protesters gather outside Supreme Court justices' homes. New data shows some industries returning to pre pandemic levels while others struggle. And one major film studio refuses to cave to Chinese demands. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire.